I am a minister of the gospel. I'm a, you know, and you, if you're a believer, you're a minister of the gospel. There's no other option for you. Yes. That's your greatest identity. Even though I'm black, I thank God that I'm black and I see you, Byron. I'm glad you're white, man, because God made you white for a reason. I'm black for a reason. I thank God for all of that. But even that being black or white, whatever, Asian, whatever that you may be, Hispanic, that you're, if you're in Christ, that trumps everything else. That, that overrides everything else, regardless of what's going on in your life. And that is your identity, period. Welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. Pleasure to have you join us this afternoon. Looking forward to visiting with my dear friend, Sean Abram, pastor at the Binghampton Community Church, established back in 2009. Sean and his wife, Mary, are real sweet people. They have been on the show in the past. Kind of disappointed that Mary didn't show up, Sean. Yeah, yeah, me too. But, uh, man, uh, I, I'm glad that that I have an opportunity to be here with you. But I, I sure wish my better half was here as well. So. Well, you have a house full of children. They're going all kinds of different ways. you got great kids. There's just so much you got to do, right? Yeah, yeah. I call her my, my warrior princess. Oh. She's uh, she's uh, on the roll, and she, she's working hard in the home, but also just in ministry. And uh, and just, my man, she, she's awesome. So I thank God for her. I love that. Warrior princess. Yes, that's right. Well, and the kids, what's going on with the children now? Well, you know, uh, because of COVID-19, of course, we had, uh, we've been homeschooling four kids. We had one already homeschooled, uh, but the other three was there. So, uh, man, they're growing and I'm, I'm just soaking up the time that we have with them and while they're at home. Give me the ages. So I have a 15 year old, 14, uh, 12 and 11. Are you still doing your video? What do you call it now? Life uh, in the ham. Life in the ham. Yes, Life we in are. The ham. Yes, we are. We ca- it kind of slowed down a little bit because of the busyness of everything else, but uh, but yeah, we're we're in the house. And it's really fun because the whole family gets involved with it. Yeah, and it helps with discipleship as well. So it's, it's just part of um, allowing our family to do all that it can do to glorify the King each and every day. So. Well, I know that you love your family, and you got a great family. Thank you. And, Sean, I thank you so much for getting together today. And we've been producing these shows. I've been telling our friends listening to Mid-South Viewpoint on the fly, not getting too far ahead, because so much is happening right. in our community, in our nation, and we want to be timely as we share. So today as we record the show, it's the morning up. So the show airs today, 3 o'clock on Mid-South Viewpoint. We're in the studio earlier this morning to make the show possible. When I was looking on the church website, Binghampton Community Church, again, established back in 2009. I like the way the website's laid out. You have a place, I don't think I've ever noticed this on some church websites, you have identified community needs. Yes, sir. Yeah, and just being there, that's what we've learned, especially when you come alongside of people, just like Christ came alongside of us, and he, he walked through life with us. So come alongside of people. You know, we moved there in 2009, and walk alongside of people. You hear their hearts, you hear their minds, you hear the needs, and you hear also the assets that they have to give because we all have a need, we all have an asset. Uh, but you hear those needs, so we're trying to see how we can meet those needs by the power of God, but also help our neighbors to meet the needs of other neighbors. Among those needs you've identified, evangelism, discipleship, reconciliation, apologetics, trauma intervention, family stabilization, which includes domestic violence intervention and affordable housing, job and education empowerment, felony reintegration, community development, race and police reconciliation. I mean, you really identify some real specific needs. Yes, sir. And uh, and of course, we can't do that alone. That's why we identify all those needs, but we need the body to come alongside of us to help, you know, transform communities. So that's what we're working with. We're trying to, you know, coordinate uh, the entire 
entire church body to do that because it's going to take a body because as you can see, the knees are there and they are great. What I love about this, Sean, is that your church, I mean, this isn't a, a political organization, a community activist group. This is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, sir. That's engaging its community in its neighborhood. Yeah, that's the call. When you look at the reason why the church exists is to uh, reconcile all things in Christ. So this is our the reason why we're there is to glorify his name, to uplift who he is, to show his character and his nature, and then to show that all things are reconciled in him. That's, that's the point of the church. Yeah. And as we do that, expand the kingdom, we grow people up into maturity. That's why the church exists there in the community. Yes, it does. Well, as you mentioned, the COVID-19, all churches and everybody's having to make adjustments, obviously, that they had to make. Thankfully, we're starting to open things up a little bit. What about adjustments for you and your ministry at Binghampton? How how have you been conducting services? Well, uh, a lot of what we do, uh, you go back to uh, Facebook, uh, Facebook Live, we do that. We also do Zoom. Uh, But we're also trying to encourage our people to know that we're all missionaries, no matter who you are. If you're a believer, uh, that you are the church, no matter where you are. And uh, so hopefully we're trying to build spiritual leaders within their homes to reach uh, people within their homes. Like even with my kids, what I want to start doing, even though I talk to them every day. But I I want to set specific days for them so I can focus in on them. Like Michaela, she's my oldest. We're going to sit down on Sundays and then Isaac on Monday then Grace on uh, Tuesday and David on Thursday, even though I see him every day, I talk to him every day, but just to, you know, a time just set aside as we dive into God's word so I can help them navigate through life. So you're the spiritual leader of your home, but also on your street, you are that lighthouse on your street. You are where you are for a reason. God has placed you there for a reason. So, um, I want to be intentional on what God is doing to help me to reach even my, my street. Now, do I do it perfectly all the time? No. Do I feel like it all the time? No, but it's God who is working his goodwill within me to do what he wants me to do. And he does that every day. So I'm growing. I love that. The wrongful death of George Floyd strikes a chord of sadness, anger, disbelief. How have you been navigating through your emotions of his tragic death and the way many are responding, not only through peaceful demonstrations, but these acts of violence and criminal behavior that we're seeing, looting that's taking place, police being shot. Man, uh, when I first saw it, you know, you know, it's tough to see. And, and it hurts and, and, and understanding just the history that uh, that we have within the country when it comes down to police brutality and just that opposition and what's going on. And and what got what got me the most is when, you know, he had his knee uh, on the back of George Floyd's neck and and man, he started crying out for his mama. I was like, man, this is a grown man, but he's crying out for his mom. That's that's kind of what what hit me. Uh, so true enough, the initial uh, reaction to that is anger. Uh, you know, you're upset that you know this this happened again, and and even uh, so, that's the initial that's the initial uh, effect of that. But I've learned throughout my life that I have to take what I see and then process it. I take what I see and then process it when it comes down to uh, you know when it comes down to who God is. I have to talk to Him. I got to process this situation and sift through what's going on and then see it from an eternal perspective. Yes, what He did was wrong. 
And uh, man, that was that was just wrong. You can't get around that. I'm not sure why he didn't lift his knee. I don't know if it was you know racism. I don't know if it was just anger because that you know anger can come to a point where that's kind of how it manifests. So I don't know if he had something going on with family. He had something previously with uh, George Floyd. I have no idea why. Or it could have been that because they were telling him to take his knee off and just being a police officer, you know, he may be you know who are you supposed to be to tell me what to do? I don't. I have no idea of why that didn't happen but I got to see that tragedy in such a way and then process it through the light of who Christ is understanding that our goal as the church all right is to reconcile all men no matter what color they are reconcile all men you know unto Christ and then through that how we can reconcile among each other so when I saw it and I was like man I, I, I you know for uh, George Floyd and all black people all over the country man I felt that sadness and hurt, but also even for the police department, you know, because that's that's another bad, you know, rep for them as well. And then in the difficulties, difficulties they face George, uh, George Floyd's family and the difficulty because their their uh, family member is no longer alive, no longer alive. You see, but then even that police officer who's going to go to, you know, prison and, and, and even though he did what he did, but you still, you know, your heart still go out to his family and, and stuff like that. And so I look at that situation. How can I process this through the through the heart of the almighty God and, and reconcile people to Christ through all of this and then also reconcile people together? And that's being intentional one life at a time, living alongside of people, helping people to understand the bigger uh, goal of all things is to reconcile uh, reconciliation in Christ Jesus. Sean, you mentioned about the history in our country of police brutality. Let me back up and share where I came from growing up here in Memphis, public school. I remember in elementary school, pretty much every year, Officer Friendly would come to school and have a big assembly group with all the kids, talk about being careful outside, you know, when you cross the street, all the safety things. And he also talked to you about strangers and when somebody approaches you, he would have fun with the kids. And so you learn to had this rapport, I guess, with a police officer. You looked up to him. You had this respect for Officer Friendly, knowing that he represented the police department who was there for my good to protect and to serve me. Is that not what it's like, the communities where you were raised? Well, when it comes down to, to, to me, even though I was in North Mississippi, that's where I was, where I was born and raised. And, and no, it wasn't, it wasn't like that. Uh, but even in Memphis, I'm seeing that, true enough, in many cases, it's not like that. And not saying that there are, you know, some police officers that will understand, you know, what's going on and, and just live life alongside of people. Uh, but it's just, I, I, I'm thinking, like I said, I'm not speaking on behalf of all black people. You know, black people are different. So I'm not speaking on behalf of all black people and what's going on. But what I see, what I've seen in my personal experience, just being in being Hampton, that a, a lot of the people uh, concerning, uh, police officers have been kind of traumatized because of those instances. I take it for my son, for example, uh, that he's seen you know a raid of a house of, of people within our community. Guns are drawn, and you know, and the police going in and bringing the people out, and they're sitting there. And then we see you know their kids of the of the people that that that, uh, that the police raided. So their kids, uh, four and five years old, just seeing the police drawing their guns at their you know parents 
parents see that that does something to a person's you know psyche when they think through that and, and it's kind of traumatizing or they've seen their friend get you know in jail or they have a family member in jail so you see all that so you see that traumatized type of state when it comes down to you know are they here to protect and serve no we, we it's, it's more of an opposition so that when you see police you just you just move off even if you're not doing anything wrong you still just go off but then it's just like the uh the police officers are kind of traumatized as well even within our communities because of the hostility that they may face because of the hostility that has been given so uh sometimes police officers believe that they have to come at uh people of color or black people in, a, in an aggressive manner i'm not saying all police officers but many may feel that this is the way that people are going to listen to me and they're going to get things done so i come at them so aggressively so therefore when you come at uh, a black person aggressively uh, they're going to either come back at you aggressively it's the same way it's kind of like the way of the street it's like you can't show any weakness because people exploit that weakness so it's kind of um, uh, 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 just a man it's just a it's a difficult situation but if people through that you know training because they are trained and they go, go on the, you know go under oath to protect and serve so you have to be able to to level up even if you receive offense even as a police officer you're there to protect and serve and even though they're human but you're still there to protect and serve so you can't give back brutality well how does the church present its message of reconciliation through the cross of jesus to a nation that's in such a chaotic state right now brother one life at a time uh you, we have to be intentional and when i say be intentional uh you know try to you know speak to someone who may not look like you or may not think like you uh, come along and live life alongside of other people. You know, be able to understand the situation and what's going on so you can speak to that situation with understanding. But that takes time. That takes you living life together. That takes them eating at your table. You're eating at their table. That takes if you are a business owner, you're saying, man, I'm going to see if I can hire someone from this community. Uh, it takes, you know, it takes the love of that community. It takes a heart of Christ to be able to walk that out, to overcome offense, man. If I can, by God's grace, level up over 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 offense and do what Christ ta- you know called me to do, which is you know, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. But at the same time, you know, call out injustice, which is just you know someone being treated wrongly, and I call it out in the right fashion because we know that when it comes down to looting and it comes down to breaking windows and, and destroying property, uh, man, that's just wrong. It is wrong. But I do understand the heart because it goes back to a heart of hurt. You know, people have been hurting for a long time, and, and what happens when people hurt, it, it turns into anger. So therefore, you know, hurting people hurt other people, and I believe they do that because they want you to understand their hurt and to stop hurting them. So hurting people hurt other people to get you to understand what hurt is like, and, and, that's, and that's that vicious cycle of anger and bitterness. you got to process all of that anger you know, at the feet of Jesus because you can't sustain that high stress of anger day in, day out. It's going to wear you out mentally. It's going to wear you out emotionally. It's going to wear you out physically. It's going to take you out that all that anger that's in your heart. But therefore, when you process that anger at the feet of Jesus and you see the ultimate identity in which we have, uh, and through that you love, you know, love is not some passive thing that goes off to the side, but love is sacrifice and you love and you walk it out because love endures forever. That's what's going to last. Everything else is going to burn up. Sean, that is so well spoken. 
before Mr. Floyd's death, your church, as we've said, has identified in the community race and police reconciliation as one of the community needs. Yes, sir. Now, what exactly are you doing or have you been doing to address this issue? Man, we haven't done exactly what we should have been doing. Okay, we there there's there's so much work, but it starts with understanding and, and teaching people. And what one of the things in your church, excuse me, Sean, but your church is Binghamton Community Church is just around the corner from the Tillman precinct, yeah, police precinct. Yes, sir, yes, sir. And we've been in and we we've talked to them, but I want I want to do more. I want to do more because when you, when you see the the difficulties that we face within our communities, but one of the things that we're that we're trying to do and what we want to do, and I think will bring a, a great bridge uh, between our community and the police uh, precinct is that we can we want to set up dates that the police themselves can can come to the community and teach them about their rights. This is so very important. I think that will break down many barriers because a lot of people within our community just do not know their rights. But if the police themselves say, look, we're willing to come and talk to you and teach you your rights, I think that would be a, a great, you know, uh, involvement, community involvement thing will break down a lot of barriers and, and continue to, to reconcile. So that's one of the things we're going to try to do here. Since God has ordained governments and police are under that jurisdiction to protect and serve the community, how do we teach our children to respect that authority with so much attention surrounding the abuse and brutality of law enforcement? Man, we walk down through it. Even when you think about the things that we've seen in history in our justice system, man, A, recognize that there is something wrong. And that's that's what people need. People still don't think that there's something wrong with the justice system. I can tell you, walk down to 201, walk in there and look around 201, and you will see that there's, there's got to be something wrong. It's got to be something with this system that's going on. So please, please, if anything else, please recognize that there is something wrong. Now, when we point that out to our children and we begin to teach them humbly how to respond to, you know, the police. Now, because you are black, you can't, when someone pulls you over, you can't get any type of attitude at all. Because you never know the way things are going to be. So you got to teach a humble attitude. You got to be overly kind. You got to be overly kind. You got to be overly respectful type of thing. Even though sometimes, like I know my wife, because she is white and she's been pulled over before. And she, you know, she's a kind woman, but she is my warrior princess, right? <laughs> so she said, not every time, but there's sometimes, you know, you can talk a certain way. But you being black, you ain't going to be able to do that. So it's like a it's, it's like a humbling, disrespect type of thing. Is it right? No. But this is what you need to do as we continue to transform uh, society. So I just want to teach them the importance of even though you're overly kind in this situation, it's to help reconcile, you know, uh, black people, officers. It's to help in this situation because that's what it's going to take because that's the heart of Christ. Right. It goes back to follow, forgive them for they know not what they do. He had to humble. He humbled himself for that. And then and, and someone has to do that. And let that be you. Let that be you be the mature one to, you know, still respect authority because of who God is, but also you're trying to change, uh, you know, for the good for, uh, for people who look like you. Sean, I think that's why it's so important that your church be the catalyst in this area, as you mentioned, of reconciliation, because God himself reconciled us through Jesus Christ so that he could reconcile the world to himself. That's right. And he uses us as those instruments. And so we have the message. Sadly enough, the church is full of 
of prejudice and sin. I mean, there are still issues. You look at the Church of Corinth and how Paul addressed the sins. So there's active sins in the church. We need to confess, repent, and come together, show the example, because Jesus said they will know you by your love for one another. But we have so much division even in our church today. Yes, sir. It goes back to that heart. You got a heart of humility or that heart of pride. It goes back to who Christ is. It goes back to faith and truly walking out the faith. That's why when it comes down to being humble uh, or, or showing that love, that's just not the easiest thing in the world because you are offended. You know, it's like uh, this, this verse plays over and over in my head. It says, for I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet not I, but Christ who lives in me in the life which I now live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, I, I live this life because because of Christ. So Christ got to live it out within me. I can't, I don't have the power. I don't, I'm, you know, I don't have the power to, to overcome that offense of ideologies that I disagree with. It's hard for me. It causes anger within me and makes me upset, but I've come to a conclusion that Christ within me can walk this out and I will not allow somebody else's ideology to create hate within me. So I can take that back to my home. They're going off to wherever they're going, but that hate is spilling over into my wife. That hate is spilling over into my kids. I cannot allow that much control. So I see it for what it is. I see when it comes down to who the true enemy is, because we're not battling against flesh and blood here, guys. That's, that's not the case, but I see that true enemy so I attack it there spiritually but also walking it out because it's Christ within me, and there are days that I do better than that than, than other days. There are days that I can't be around anybody right now because I don't, I don't need to be around anybody right now at this moment because what I'm going to give off may not be what is right. So I go back, I process at the feet of Jesus. God, help me and he shows me the power and the beauty of walking in obedience to him. And man, we walk that thing out and we create change until God calls home, period. Because we're just like when I said the, under the badge, you protect and serve regardless. Man, I am a minister of the gospel. I'm a, you know, and you, if you're a believer, you're a minister of the gospel. There's no other option for you. Yes. That's your greatest identity. Even though I'm black, I thank God that I'm black and I see you, Byron. I'm glad you're white, man, because God made you white for a reason. I'm black for a reason. I thank God for all of that. But even even as being black or white, whatever Asian, whatever that you may be, Hispanic, that you're, if you're in Christ, that trumps everything else. That that overrides everything else, regardless of what's going on in your life. And that is your identity, period. Yes, there's no way around it. You can't get around it. You can't get over it. You can't get under it. You can't. There, there's, the truth is truth, and it's not going to change. So we identify with Christ, and we and we level up because of who we are, and we give back love even when we receive hate, even though we do call out injustice, but we do it in a way that God has called us. And we walk this thing out to continue to transform the, uh, this world for his name's sake until he call us home. Amen. Sean, this is so wonderful. Thank you for being so transparent. That's why I wanted you on today. Yes, sir. This is a message that we need to talk about. And as we talk about the other needs that you've identified, you shared a moment ago about community development. Uh, COVID-19 pandemic, of course, and these current tensions we're in, it's really slowed a lot of things down in the communities when it comes to jobs, when it comes to commerce. How do you see supporting initiatives that remove blight from our communities and establish better neighborhoods and places for business to flourish while providing good-paying jobs? And that's something we're trying to balance out within being Hampton because just the where being Hampton is located, it's kind of central in the city, and a lot of people are saying that, so that's why a lot of construction and, and taking away blight is 
happening within our within our community. But at the same time, we're trying to see how we can facilitate ways that those who are of lower income is not pushed out because of the economic uh, transformation that's going on in Binghampton. So we're trying to find affordable housing to partner partnering with our local CDC to see how we can have affordable housing for people that have been in Binghampton for 30 and 40 and 50 and 60 years to remain there to benefit from the wonderful things that are going on. So uh, it's a beautiful thing when you take away blight because sometimes when you just look at an area or in an area, it kind of breeds crime just by the way it looks. And, you know, there's no spotlight on it, so to speak. But now that spotlight is there. And so there's multiple construction uh, uh, jobs going on in Binghampton. And and isn't that a lot, too, not only the ministry of what Binghampton Community Church is, but the Binghampton Community Development Organization. Because I remember growing up as a kid, you know, going down Broad Street, intersection has changed now with the Mm -hmm. interstate. But the new businesses have come up, you know, beautiful artwork on water towers. And it's a place that people like to go. Yeah, yeah, man. That's and, and, and people are seeing that and they are noticing that and people are 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 moving in and, and it's great especially when people move in to create change. But like I said, how can we keep uh, the people that are there to benefit from there and not pushed out? And I think that goes along with the three plan of the city. Uh, I think they need Binghampton to go right. You don't need people to be pushed out uh, of an area, but how can we build them up? Because that's what God calls us to do. Hey, and while we're there is to to show Christ and then to reconcile people to him and then grow them to maturity. And part of doing that is helping them to uh, thrive where they are and they can see the heart of Christ and they see the love of Christ through the church. Sean, this has been so great. I want you to come back. We're going to have to spend more time addressing these issues. Binghampton Community Church, give us the address and information how we can learn more about the church. Okay, uh, 3006 Johnson, uh, Memphis, Tennessee, 38112 is the address. Uh, You can call my number, which is 901-315-8043, or you go to binghampton.org, and you uh, see our website, and that's where we are. Uh, We would love to have you. And also uh, also on Facebook, because that's that's what we're doing right now. And Life in the Hamp, which is on YouTube, uh, is there a direct site for that? Yeah, just Life in the Hamp. If you Google Life in the Hamp, it'll show up. Watch those videos. Watch the kids. They put this together. It is wonderful. (laughs) Sean, I'd like to ask you as we close out today's program, would you pray for our city? Would you pray for yes, our sir. nation? We'll do. We'll do. Uh, Heavenly Father, we come before you right now. Uh, we know that you are right here. Uh, dear God, I pray that you forgive us for all of our sins. Search our heart. If there's anything that's not of you, sir, may we turn from it. Heavenly Father, we're praying that your will and your way will continue and just grow more and more and to reign throughout our land and country. People that people will gaze up on your face and continue to transform hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Because that's the only way that we're going to be able to live the life that you call us to live. Dear God, we need you. We're praying that you will continue to unify all believers, dear God. We're praying that you will uh, call all things into reconciliation in you and that we may walk this thing out, be intentional as we walk it out and live day by day, but day by day by your power because it's you within us so that when people see us that they will know you because they see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithful, goodness, and self-control, dear God, in your namesake, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.